This is Old Man Rolling Dice. Hey, this is DM Jeremy. Welcome to Old Man Rolling Dice. Uh, I'm joined by my partner in crime, my maybe my podcast soulmate, uh, Jason. And we uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Old Men Rolling Dice and what we've been up to over this uh, COVID break. Coming at you with season two of our podcast. We didn't even know there would be a season two. We just thought we were going to do some recordings and see what happened. And we have had fun doing it. And more importantly, we've gotten feedback from people that have actually been listening. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> that was an exciting surprise. So <laughs> where you can find us, you can find us on, on our Instagram. We have a huge Instagram page. It's like exploded. We almost have a thousand followers. If you haven't followed us yet, we'd love we'd love for you to come on board and follow, say hi. Uh, we're, we're very chatty with our Instagram followers. So that's on Instagram, Old Men Rolling Dice. You can also find us on Facebook. Again, Facebook, Old Men Rolling Dice. Our newest adventure is on Twitch. We've been streaming some games there. You can find us playing Dungeons and Dragons every Sunday night. And it's not up and running yet, but very shortly we should have a game running on Wednesday nights as well. So if you haven't checked us out on Twitch, if you haven't checked us out on Facebook or Instagram, I invite you to throw us a follow, throw us a like. And as always, a lot of people don't know this, we have a website, oldmenrollingdice.com. Anything that we're doing is posted there. And uh, we invite you to join our little online community that's been sort of growing over the last little while. But enough about enough about me, and enough about enough about where you can find us. We're gonna have a little back and forth here about something that uh, Jason's discovered recently in a, in a game he's been playing. And I, I'm just gonna turn it over to you, my man, and, and you tell us what we're talking about tonight. Absolutely, thanks. This is an amazing intro. Really quick, before we move on from that, though, I want to double reiterate because I'm not sure if we mentioned it on Twitch. It's actually not under Old Men Rolling Dice. It's under DM underscore. Oh, Jeremy. that's correct. That's correct. D D okay, I just want DM to sure. underscore Jeremy on on Twitch. You can find me on that on Twitter as well. But I really don't use Twitter that often. Go to those places I mentioned: Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. Come hang out with us. Come say hi. Come tell us if we suck or if you like what we're doing. We're big boys. We can take it. No, absolutely. You're going to love it. Everybody <laughs> loves it. Okay. So I think this is a funny discussion in that, and I don't know that we're alone. I'm not sure when people will be listening to this, but right now we are in the midst of the 2020 pandemic. We are a good solid nine or 10 months in. And at some point in time, we've all had to change how we game and who we game with and the platforms we're gaming on. I mean, the days of beer and chips around a table are are something that's distantly in the past, and I don't know that they're all that close in the in the near future. Having had to do so, forced me to do online gaming, something that maybe a number of people that we game with at Old Mineral and Dice are very comfortable with, something that I wasn't super comfortable with, and had, there was a learning curve. And it, it may not seem that steep, but it was steep for me. I started reflecting a while back about what kind of year 2020 had been. And it's easy to get caught up in all the things that didn't go your way that year all the things that maybe didn't happen the way you wanted them to happen. And I'm not talking about the grand scheme of things. I'm talking about your recreational time with your friends. But then I was like, you know, at some point in time, you have to look for the silver lining. You have to look for those little bits and pieces uh, in that mess that was 2020 that put a smile on your face and then brought you some sort of gaming happiness. And I can tell you that one of those things 
actually, when I was making a list of sort of the top three to top five things, the thing that ended up being number one on my list was gaming with new players. And by that, I don't mean a new group of players. I mean gaming with somebody who was playing Dungeons and Dragons with you for the very first time. Just the concept of sitting down, having games since early to mid 80s, and, and suddenly being at a table with somebody who was on day one really refreshed my game, revitalized it, and I and brought me a lot of happiness when I probably needed it the most. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that GM Jeremy's also gamed extensively more than I have uh, and game with a lot of new players over the years in a lot of different formats. And uh, so I think we're going to take a couple minutes tonight to kind of go over what we like about gaming with somebody who's brand new at the table. Jeremy, anything to add to that? Uh, and may, maybe a couple drawbacks of gaming with a brand new player. Yeah. And maybe if you you yourself are a new player or someone looking to jump into Dungeons & Dragons or role-playing games in general, really, uh, maybe we can point you in the right direction to get you to find that first game that you can play and become the, uh, the gaming master that uh, you were maybe born to be. That's true, because you don't think about it. I mean, it seems intimidating, I'm sure, for a new player when you're looking from the outside looking in. Once you're at that table, and I think a lot of times maybe 10, 15 minutes in, and you realize what's actually happening at that table and the, the depth that's required to successfully role play with other people, it's not as hard as you think. I think that no. you can be at a table and contribute and feel like you're having a very good time with a group of people rather quickly as compared to a lot of other say hobbies or recreations mm -hmm. so so let me let me ask you then so let, let's let's get into the pros essentially uh, instead of you know wallowing in the cons there's not many cons actually we're going to talk about but what is a pro like what was a pro when you sit down at the table and you find out that uh susan or jim beside you has never role played before what do they bring to the game that a experienced player can't? I think the first thing I noticed, and this is a really vague term, and I'm sure if somebody wants to be a hard ass, I'm going to say hard ass, wants to be a hard ass about it, they can pick it apart. There is a level of enthusiasm that somebody that's sitting at that table brings when it is brand new. When they don't know what a troll does. When they're, what's the difference between an ogre and an orc? When they're like, it says here I can cast a cantrip. I can just cast that. The enthusiasm about sort of looking at rules and looking at scenarios that you have done over and over again and become sort of commonplace. We've talked about this maybe in the Grognard episode where you just, you just gygax the room, right? You're going to go in, we do A, B, C, we move to the next room. We do A, B, C, we move to the next room. New players don't see it that way. They don't understand that. They're, this new room, even though it is a plain 2020 room, in the middle of a dungeon with no substantial features whatsoever is still a new room that they've never seen before. And they approach it in a way that I think maybe we as older players have forgotten to approach it. Yeah. Uh, it was once described to me, I think what you're getting at, is what, what, what you're getting at is, is sort of the freedom of just that you can literally do anything. And, and it was once uh, described to me actually by Bill, you know, Bill. I remember uh, this discussion actually. And, Bill had a group of new friends that he was trying to introduce to the love of role-playing, basically, I think, to 
to secure his own game, right? We all want to be able to game, and we want to be able to game with friends. So you introduce the game to your friends, and you hope it hooks them. Anyways, one of his players basically got the opportunity to punch the bartender in the face. And just the sheer joy that he could say that, <laughs> and then his character did it. Like, I'm going to go over there and punch him in the face. All right, you do that. There's a freedom there, right? And in... And not to get too deep, but in lots of people's lives, they don't have the freedom to make just any choice they want. Do you know what I mean? Like no, they ha they have shit to do, <laughs> so I they can't. Did, they did. don't have the freedom of punching a bartender in the face when the bartender's rude to them. But in role playing, you get that. And and the first time as a player that that clicks, that you are now at the helm and can do anything you want to do uh, with your character, any choice. That you want to make is yours to make. That's one of the that's one of the great sort of liberating factors of role playing. And when 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 you see a player come to that realization, when they have that uh, when they have that aha moment, aha, I can do that. I, I understand your excitement. I, I get that. I think a lot of it has it too. When you're inviting a new player to come and play a quote unquote game of Dungeons and Dragons, that traditionally people who have played games in the past have played a game that is a board game. There are hard boundaries, there are hard barriers. All of a sudden, you're sitting at a table with a piece of paper with a handful of numbers on it and uh, Jimmy the Viking written across the top. There are no walls. Like you're like, there's no follow the path in the board game. There's no yeah, because no the board sort of the board game the map the board game tells you the trail that you're going to follow. The board game tells you the event that you're going to face. You know it before you reach there. Okay, so we've talked about the enthusiasm they bring. I would like to talk about the fresh perspective they bring on problem solving. Yes. In that when you're playing with the same group of people for an extended period of time, there is a set routine when you have an encounter or enter an area where people fall into a, well, we know we have to do these five things. Um, that's just a goblin. You we don't interact with them we simply dispose of them we move on to the next room they're garbage play, they're garbage new, new players on the other hand are like seems like a pretty stand-up goblin to me i mean he hasn't attacked us he's conversing with us the, the concept that is that even the smallest most insignificant minion in an encounter or dungeon is still somebody that warrants your interaction is something you will, I'm, and I only have limited play experience to relate this on to, that an experienced group would never, quote unquote, waste time. And I, this is another topic. I think that experienced groups become obsessed with what is wasting time and what is not wasting time. And um, Well, to that, very... to that point, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. To that point, yeah. I think players that have played for a little while, and if they've played with that same DM for a little while, they're becomes sort of this code of conduct like if the dm doesn't take time to pick something out about that creature the party yeah. is now in the know that that creature is not a npc that the dm is planning to use as a as a you know as a clue or as a marker or as an ally do you know what i mean like right. dms bobless 
goblin scenario, right? Like we just these are these are throwaway characters. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You open your party opens the door ahead of you, and beyond that door is a dimly lit room. There is a snarl, and four goblinoid creatures stand brandishing their blades and prepare for battle. There's nothing Absolutely. in there that says to you, talk to them. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Now now flip that, flip that and go, there's there's a chain the same chamber. You open the door, it's a dimly lit room, there's a growl. Three goblins stand brandishing their blades, ready to fight, while a fourth stays to the shadows, winks at you, and shows you his pouch. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. totally telegraphed. It's totally telegraphed that the fourth goblin is just not like the other goblins. So, right. like the, but a new player doesn't. In motion. A new player doesn't read that necessarily. A new player on the first encounter, well, there's four goblins. They've got their blades out. That doesn't mean we have to fight. Let's offer them. Maybe they're hungry. Let's offer them some of our food. Like a, a, a an experienced player doesn't think to do that. Fresh perspective on what's expected at the table. A level of enthusiasm that I don't find I get when I'm playing with older players. It's with older players, it's suddenly sort of becoming, it's a bit of a job. It's a routine. We, we have to accomplish one third of this module tonight, or I feel like I've wasted my time. New players are like, maybe this goblin's super important. We should probably spend a little time talking to him. We don't know there isn't something in that church. Let's double check it. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying it's neat to look at somebody who's like, oh, there's obviously nothing. He scanned over the description of that. This is a nothing encounter. They, nothing is insignificant to a new player. They, they see more maybe than what's there, and that's not bad. I found it really refreshing. Problem solving with regular... Is this our third play. point? Pro- is basis? this the third point? Yeah, maybe. Problem there might be solving. a third point. New players problem yeah. solve different than old players because... Absolutely. Old, Everything is not a combating... Old, old players will problem solve within the structure of the rules. Not just that. I find that they tend to go to combat there's even when there's a problem solving thing they're like i have enough spells in my book we don't have to figure out how that door opens we just blow the shit out of it and we move to the next room whereas i find newer players want to be like oh i wonder how that door opens it looks like there must be some sort of a trick or a puzzle or a mechanism they need the minutiae of that and it's nice because i mean somebody took the time to write and develop and explain that and I find sort of experience parties are sort of like, we are smart enough to sidestep this part of the story and simply move on. I like a great puzzle or a great sort of something being solved in the middle of a, a story. I agree. I agree with you. I, I yeah, I, I would say this. I would say that what you explained about in a recent campaign, I had a puzzle, basically. Uh, for a party to figure out a way to open this door, the unopenable door. The party did not use the puzzle to open it. The party ended up using their magic. They used a disintegrate spell and a... There was something else used. Anyways, I enjoyed that from a DM's perspective because I presented them a problem and they problem-solved an alternative around it. I didn't see it as they were sort of... What you described is when a party essentially... You you design a subtle encounter and they use brute force for it, uh, but it is it, it can be equally and new players new players can do this as well. New players can try to use spells differently than 
experienced players because they again they don't understand the mechanics of the game so they're like well it says my spell can do this so i just want to can i tweak it so it does this a, a new player can, will do that whereas an older player will be like well i know the framework of the game and it doesn't work here i agree with you i agree with you new players problem solve in unexpected ways i think so and because they they assume that that's part of the game they're like oh he's put this puzzle before us this puzzle is something like this is the next chapter in the game that we've signed up to play. And, you know, and the fact that if they're a brand new player, I think the first time a really clever puzzle, riddle, even a trick slash trap hits the table, there's the, oh my God, I've never seen this before. This isn't just about the goblins in the rooms. This isn't, you know what I mean? There's a thinking element to it. Oh my God, I get to use those skills on that paper that I didn't think, I'm like, I understand swinging a sword. I understand breaking down a door. That's what Dungeons and Dragons is. Oh no. My character needs to now, you know, piece together a puzzle. I think it helps them develop a better understanding of what the game could be in terms of all round using different ability scores and using different stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw number four out, and this one's going to be controversial. Okay. I play with three brand new people, and they may not all be great, but everybody at some point in time will attempt to role play. They will do a voice. They will speak in the first person. They will do an encounter instead of saying, I just ask the bartender politely. They'll be like, barkeep, any word about the goblins that have been harassing the village? And I find that in experienced groups, there's some of that that happens, but it is sort of viewed as sort of a, it's slowing, and this is a phrase I absolutely hate because I think it's a cop-out. And this is a different topic. Well, it's slowing down the pace. I find that when somebody doesn't like something, they, they tend to go to pace as the excuse. I think it's a role-playing game. It is actually built online. We'll check the description. The greatest role-playing game of all time. I'm not saying it needs to be 100% role-playing at the table all the time, but I love when somebody pulls out a two-minute monologue or at least addresses an NPC or a situation in a manner of speaking where they're like, I'm no longer just Jimmy sitting at the table. I am Ragnar the Barbarian, and so, this is how he would address this. I think that, you know, that's fair. That's fair. You you get an opportunity when a new player comes to your table to mold them. Like, if you're the DM behind the screen, you, you're now giving them an opportunity to mold. And if they are comfortable doing voices or doing silly behavior like that, I call it, I, I understand some people are going to say, it's not silly, it's part of the game, fine. But some people are not comfortable with it, and some people do find it as silly behavior. And I, I come from a lot of role-playing groups that are not comfortable with the silly voices and, the, and speaking in the first person. They will say, my character does this, as opposed to what you're describing. So, that's because... In a lot of cases, but no, but what I'm saying, what what my point is, and I'm taking a long time to get there, so I apologize. But what my point is, is that the DM that they've played with has kind of shaped them. So if as a DM, I talk to them in first player voices, uh, first person voices, if I make the characters, if I become the NPCs that they meet. Absolutely. I see what you're saying. Then they feed on that and they go, that's how you play this game. But if they've come from somewhere where maybe the DM isn't like that. That's what I'm saying. I think a new player comes at it and they don't have the, well, the previous campaign I was in, this is how we did it. Or yeah. the last time I played, we, we we didn't do that. 
they come to the table and I think a lot of it, and we've talked about this is definitely sort of the critical role Matt Mercer effect is that I'm, I'm meeting a lot of players that are newer who I'm not saying they're fans. I'm not calling them critters. I'm saying they are aware of it. They've seen clips and for them, that is a, a, maybe not the entire way it's played, but it is a portion of what you bring to the table is that at some point in time, it's your turn to step up and, 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 and sort of contribute a portion of role playing. Yeah, I think you, I think you've got some great first time players that you're playing with. In my most recent campaign that involved first time ever players, one was very much willing to take on the mantle that you're talking about. And the other one was not. Well, actually, if I go back a little further, yeah, I would say I would say of the four new player the mo- the four newest players that I've DM'd for of recent, one of those three was willing to do what you're talking about. Was willing to just jump in both feet and and role play, and the the others were were not. But I I still get what you're saying that that Dungeons and Dragons is changing, and a lot of first time encounters with Dungeons and Dragons might be on a podcast or on Twitch with people that are very animated and it just it just naturally sort of filters out into a new player wanting to do that. I mean if a new player comes to a table and tries that out and the table is supportive, I mean it's all it's all the better. Do you know what I mean? I find that with the newer players I'm playing with, there is higher level of player interaction. When somebody suggests something or does something, if he's role playing Somebody will roll into the support role. If somebody suggests doing something with a spell that you're thinking, oh my god, like that's that's crazy. You're like you're totally just wasted a spell slot. That is absolutely unnecessary. Nobody says that. You're right. There's a chance these rocks might be magical. Casting detect magic on them is probably a good idea. A serious player would look at that as sort of a level of inefficiency. And I find that new players, for some reason, and this goes back to sort of just not understanding the boundaries, they approach it in such a way that it seems like they play off each other a lot more. There's like, there's, it's hard to get a word in edgewise sometimes. And this goes back to another topic we need to talk about, which is the uh, metagaming. When somebody suggests something, nobody's like, dude, don't waste a spell slot on that. That's ridiculous. You're going to want to save that for when we're inside the courtyard. We know that there's magic inside there. Don't waste your detect magic spell. When we're walking around the outside and somebody says, there's a lot of boulders here. I'm going to cast detect magic. Well, you know, why are these boulders here? There's another person there who goes, that's a good idea. We should totally, like, I guess there's a, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't be magical. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's refreshing. It's refreshing to see somebody look at this world with sort of this awe and wonder and and, and approach something that as an older player, you would be like, ignore the fucking boulders. They're nothing. Okay. Like, let's just move on. I want to be really supportive of your point there. That okay. players should support new players in that manner yes it does not always happen and i'm glad you're in a group that it happens in i've witnessed okay i've i've witnessed the reverse so maybe let me talk about that this is a, this is i don't know how many more points you have however i will say this one of the negative i'm not gonna say negative one of the challenging points to playing with a first time player is the inefficiencies and you use the term pacing that it slows down the pacing some new players essentially freeze when the spotlight comes on them and you need to maybe assist at that point. You know, right. I don't know what my character's going to do. Okay, we can give you some suggestions. Again, I think that's being a good player. 
but that That's kind of one of the comments I got from one of the other DMs I talked to about it was the fact that it it really does help older players. It in, it energizes the table for them too, in that they get to sort of assist and and share their love for this hobby with somebody by sort of sharing rules and ideas with yeah. the brand. Let's go back to session zero that you talked about. It is a good idea that all of your players know that you're bringing a new player into the group and that that new player may need your support or assistance. And then they know right from the get-go. Again, is the group a right fit? Is playing with new players something that you're okay with? And if it is, great. And hopefully it is, because like you said, the only way this hobby continues to grow and and stay around as if new uh, blood essentially is thrown into the mix uh, like i said and this goes back to the, the the conversation we had just a couple of minutes ago like everybody was new at some point in time at some point in time and, and i still remember because i don't play a lot of games where i'm playing a newer system or where i'm playing even for me like even playing a class i've never played before i know i stumble i know i stutter through i know i i have a lot of trouble reacting quickly and I guess I understand what you're saying. There's there's a point in time where like also for me there's a, a couple of minutes, there's some other variables here, right? Like, is this a friend that you're introducing to the game? Is this some stranger off the street that just joined the game at the local gaming store? Like, you're gonna have a lot okay. of patience for a friend or family member that's trying the game for a first time. That's that's a huge point. That's true. You're gonna you, there's a different set of standards, and it's probably not right to say that, but there is obviously if you have a friend who you like hanging out with and you want to get him involved in this hobby you're going to a lot or if you have a friend you know you have a friend that approaches you and go man i just watched i just watched uh an episode of this show or i you know i overheard uh uh, some some people at the dorm playing dungeons and dragons i would really like to try that could i come and try that at your next game you know you want to bend over backwards for that person to make sure they have a great experience the first time and there's a so you 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 probably have the patience of Job when they sit down at the table. Oh no, you know, oh, that's fair enough. I totally get what you're saying there. Absolutely. So, anyways, I'm I'm getting a little bit off topic. I understand. All I'm saying is no. that a new player, a drawback is there is going to be time that you have to spend to kind of explain some things or maybe give them a little bit of extra time to make some better. I say better decisions, but make new decisions because the game, you know, the game is not static. It's moving constantly. And, and, you know, when you're a new player, it takes a little bit of time maybe to get it figured out. The key really is that like, if, if the player, this, this is what I don't stand for. If the player says, I want to, let's, let's just give an example. I want to swing on that rope and land on that ogre's head and hit him with my war hammer. And the parties and someone at the table goes, that's not a good idea at all. That's where I end it. Like, that's not acceptable. The, they gave me what they want to do. So you just accept that. And he's going to. Well, we have the exact example happen in our first session with this group. We had a barbarian. And uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take 30 seconds. He may never, ever hear this. But Dova Ironhide, my fellow barbarian, prefers to fight naked. The first encounter we have with a lone goblin who slams the door, Dova is like, I drop my kilt, I race across the room, I drop kick through the door, I grab the goblin by the neck and I thrash him. And you're like, the DM, it was, he's like, okay, give me a roll, I will allow it. It, it was, it was neat to hear that sort of that. But you're right, like they, they immediately go to something epic, or yeah. something that a, a seasoned player would be like. 
that's actually three turns, and I can only move 10 feet this round. And swinging from the chandelier seems like it's going to require a such and such check. It, and it this relates really back to that. the creativity of a new player. Yes, just absolutely. going for it. So I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is that that's not what I'm talking about when I say that they slow down the game. Those instances are awesome. The DM can handle that and get it through. There will occasionally be where the player goes like, "I'm not sure what to do." Hey, what does this spell do? And now you're in the books right. reading and trying to figure out what that spell does, and then they have to make a decision. So, is there something wrong with it? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But you as a group and as a dungeon master need to accept that when you bring new players to the table, just the speed of the game slows down a little. Right. Yeah. I think one advantage or one thing I would say to any DM who is going to play with brand new players is start off right at first level. Keep the character sheet as empty and basic as possible. Do not give somebody 12 spell choices. Do not give them three feats to pick from. Keep it nice and basic. They're already overwhelmed, right? Like they've got their three cantrips, yes. they've got their two spells. You're absolutely. They've right. got a, you know, a basic attack. This is a really obscure one, and I don't know that it's a hard thing. It's kind of a vague thing when you're gaming with a brand new group of people, and especially people who are new players and are like brand new to this world of fantasy. Where, quite frankly, there are times when we take the lives of other monsters or characters in this game. They bring a whole brand new set of morals and ideals to the table that I don't think you see in a seasoned party. A seasoned party automatically accepts, yeah, people are going to die. Things are going to get chopped up. We're probably going to rip this guy off. We're stealing his wagon. These are our horses now. A new group doesn't see it that way necessarily. They, I find they're almost a little kinder and gentler. I don't know if they just haven't been hardened by the horrible world of uh you know Greyhawk or whatever realm you're playing in it's neat to sort of deal with people who are come with a much softer perspective to dealing with the encounters in the world yes and new young players certainly big bring a certain level of sensibility and social justice to the game that may be okay, different yes, absolutely yeah. that may be different than a group of to use a term that we learned last season, old grognards. Grognards. Yes, they are going to have a very different outlook on senses and sensibilities. That being said, I, I had a brand new player that entered a campaign with us uh, in the last couple of years. I would not call her a new player anymore, but she took she took bloody trophies off of every body she could she could like. <laughs> there was always something being cut off and stuck in her backpack. And I was like, okay, I mean, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that, but I just think it's interesting that you're like, well, there's so there may be softer in their approach to things. I, I have, I have maybe a psychopath playing at my table, but uh... no, it's crazy. Cause like you, you will run into an encounter. We're in a courtyard. There's two sort of wargs there, big hairy wolves. And we start planning an attack. Okay. They don't see us. We're going to ambush them. We'll flank them from the side. And then, all of a sudden, they're like, and our DM describes, as you're planning this, a small warg pup comes out and starts nuzzling against the one that is obviously his mother. And immediately, they're like, okay, well, we can't kill them. This yeah, is a that's a We're dirty move. We're not going to orphans. That's a dirty move by the DM to bring the puppy out. Because you know what? Everybody's okay with hacking and slashing goblins apart. Put a set of goblin warrens in the caves where there's little cute green goblins running around. And suddenly the party realizes the murder hobos they truly are. It's true, because I actually watched a video recently. I think it was 
uh, death saves. It was Joe himself talking about like when they just slaughter a, a couple of hill giants and for no reason. He's like, I make them feel bad afterwards. When they're searching the bodies, there's a baby rattle and a small stuffed animal. And now off in the distance, you think you can hear the, the loud cry of a small baby giant. He's like, you know what? Like, I understand murder hoboing is part of the game, but there needs to be consequences sometimes too. Okay, I'm going to let you know that I, when we talked about this already, I did speak to a couple other DMs prior to this. Up until recently when I decided to sort of pursue this a little heavier, I was an incredibly casual gamer. So when I knew we were going to be talking about this, I was like, well, a good perspective, like I have a player's perspective on what it's like to play with a brand new player. I, I understand what that is. I'm playing with some brand new players and it's awesome, by the way. I don't know if they'll ever hear this. I don't know if they even know I do this. I don't know that I've even mentioned it to them yet. I know the DM knows. But in case they ever do listen to this, I know how exciting it is to hear this online. A shout out to Creed, Dova, Doldrick, Kalmia, and Shadow. Okay? You guys know who you are. I decided that an important part of me having this conversation was, since I have the player's perspective on playing at a table with a new player, I should probably find out what a DM's perspective is. I, I, You and I had spoke only briefly prior to recording this, and I know that your scope of knowledge is going to provide you with no problem coming up with points to make here, right? You you have dealt with many of these situations, many a lot of them multiple times. So I was like, I'm going to reach out to a couple of DMs that I uh, know and um, ask them, like, hey, if you've played with brand new players, what are some of the sort of pros and cons? Like, what... What would if you could make a statement on a podcast about playing with a brand new player? What would that statement be? So this is DM Keenan. I currently play in a fifth edition campaign with. He reminds me a lot of you as a DM. There's a lot of enthusiasm at the table. His NPCs are amazing. Like they are. Just don't, don't. Just don't ever tell me if they're better than me. I just. I don't want to know. My ego is fragile. He's he's far too young to be better than you. He just doesn't have the age and experience that you have. Okay. Okay. You keep lying to me. Go. I love the excitement and the most creative and fun ideas and solutions come from new players. They think outside the box just because they don't understand the mechanics. Which we have already, I mean, we've hit on that. And I I could not agree with him more. And then his second quote here was, we've also touched on, some of the more seasoned veterans get excited about teaching what they know and how the game works. It revitalizes the table and it changes the atmosphere in a positive way. Again, I couldn't agree with him more. DM Mark, who I've played countless first edition games with, probably more than I would like to. Oh, is, it, is, this, Mark, um, is this Mark who played our Ranger? In, yeah. In, okay. Yeah, this is Mark. Hit, I, I'm, I, um, I'd be interested to see what, hear what Mark has to say. Let's hear that. It has, because Mark has an extensive history, too. He's DM'd, He's currently DMing probably three or four campaigns. But he's like far more, from, He's to me, he's far more an old-school DM than I am. So I would like to hear what he, he has to say. He is, he is. And he's, while he's sort of back in love with first edition and older editions, I think he does some 3.5. I know that he's sort of run his, his fill of fifth. He's sort of taking a bit of a break from it. But I think he runs sort of a sort of low-fantasy Viking campaign somewhere as well. He says about new players, they make you question your norm for gaming, especially when you've played with the same group for a long time. It gives you a totally different perspective. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. He's like, as a DM, all of a sudden, there's somebody at the table that's putting something in front of you that you haven't thought about. Because if you're gaming with the same sort of five or six guys over and over again, 
and we've talked about this. We've talked about Gygaxing a room. And I don't mean specifically Gygaxing a room, but the fact that there's a formula that you approach encounters or situations with. Um, new players throw that out the window. They suddenly throw something at you. You're like, I don't know what the goblin was eating. Or, yeah, if you ask him about having a wife, he says, of course he has a wife. It's weird little things like that He's, that sort of set in motion maybe different gaming experiences that you haven't had before. And it's kind of nice. I think anybody that's gaming for this a long time... This is one of the reasons. It seems like there's a lot of similarity from one session to another. If, you are, if you are a DM out there, this is one of the reasons that I say to, to other DMs, if you get an opportunity to DM at your local gaming score, store where you can sit down at a table with an entirely new group of people and game with them, do it. They will bring everything that you do into perspective. Uh, they will challenge you. They will make you rethink how you run your game at the table, what's effective, what's not effective, because you're seeing firsthand, like the, the guys that you have played with for the last 10, 12 years, the guys and gals, like if I sit down at a, at a table with my wife, my longest running gaming group I had was my wife, Ian, and his uh, girlfriend, Jessica. So when I sit down with that trio, there's, there, there's not really a lot of challenge from the perspective of me and how I game. Like, they know how I game. We've gamed together for so long, it's old hat. And there's a beautiful comfort in that. However... There's an unspoken contract that already exists at that That's table. right. That's there's right. A, there's a set of rules and limitations, and you know what the expectations of those three people are. You know what player A wants from the game, you know what player B expects from the game, and you know what player C is going to question you on, right? Yes. It's already there. When you're gaming for people, you when you're DMing for people you don't know, they're brand new players to the game. You bring your A game. Like, you'd be surprised how much you as a DM step up to meet that challenge. And then you get to the table and they challenge you in game in that you have to think on your feet quicker or, or, because you're not used to how they play. And it is, it is a great way to hone your craft as a dungeon master. Before we go any further, though, I want to just do one quick shout out. You did talk about DMing at your favorite local gaming store. And... He's been good to me. I know he's been good to you. And he's a very big part of what this little thing that we do is. I think we give a shout out to uh, our good friend, Alex. Yes, absolutely. The Devil's Bench in Brantford. The Devil's Bench we in Brantford. We if can't do it right now, but usually we we have D&D nights there on Wednesday nights. Uh, hopefully when COVID is all over, if maybe you're listening to this and COVID is done. If you're in the Brantford area, come and check us out. Uh, myself and another Dungeon Master were running games every Wednesday night. Lots of new players. And I feel that Alex has a pretty welcoming place there that if you walked in and said, I really want to learn how to play Dungeons & Dragons, Alex would hook you up with someone that could teach you how to play Dungeons & Dragons. He could help Absolutely. you find a group. Absolutely. And we've talked about this, Alex and I specifically. And this goes back to our earlier conversation about community building. We everybody benefits when the community gets larger and stronger and healthier. And and he knows that. I mean, I have taken on a couple of projects in the last couple of weeks or months and have used Alex as a reference or balanced ideas or just gone to him and said, I'm interested in doing this. How does that happen? And you know, what are the first three steps I need to take? Literally held my hand, did not make me feel like an idiot for asking, 
100% shout out to Alex of the Devil's Bench. If you were ever in Brantford and you're looking this to kind of segues into no. something I want to I want to touch on as well. If you are a new player to Dungeons and Dragons, if you're a new player role player, if you're going to buy your player's handbook for the first time, get to a local gaming store and buy it there. One, the owner of that store is going to appreciate you more than you realize. But two, that's the hub. That's the local hub. If he's selling Dungeons and Dragons at his local, or she is selling Dungeons and Dragons at her local gaming store, her brick and mortar store, if she has tables where gaming can take place at that store, buying your player's handbook there is a guaranteed ticket for you to be put in touch with someone. All you have to do is let that shopkeeper know that you have, you know, this is this is your first time getting into the game. You just bought this book. Do, do you know of any games that are accepting new players right now? I'll bet you they can point you in the right direction. I can honestly say that everybody at every shop I've gone to, probably in the last year or two, I even struck up a conversation with the guy behind the counter and talked about gaming or what's out there and what's available, what's hot, what's not happening. How is the shop doing? How are you guys holding up? I haven't met anybody at all, and this is a horrible way to phrase it, who's been a dick. Everybody has been kind and genuine. Literally some of the nicest people I've met have been involved in the gaming industry. Now, there are new players out there that are living out in you know, the country. Maybe there's not a local gaming store. Maybe your town is too small to support a local gaming store. Then I would invite you to look to Twitch, to um, to podcasts, to Discord is a great tool. There's lots of Discords. Look for a game and get in on the ground floor on one. Uh, Roll 20. I mean, the list goes on and on online. And right now, there are so many groups online looking for players. Uh, you could even contact us. So I'm mean, like, I'm looking for players right now for our Wednesday night games. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, I know that it's a horrible time to start gaming. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but it's also the best time. I, I, I feel like the community I agree with you. is a growing at a pace right now that, that we've never seen in our lifetime. Like, I, I have met more new gamers since going online. I mean, the people that pop in on Twitch and say hello, the people that pop in uh, on our website uh, and send messages or Facebook or Instagram, like it's just really easy to find fellow gamers. It's not necessarily, I'm, I'm not going to tell any fairy tales. It's not necessarily easy to get a new game, but the way you get into a new game is by making these contacts. I mean, you just, you just put yourself out there. Hi, I'm a new gamer looking for a new game. Can you help me? This is my final statement, and then you can make a final statement, and then we'll sign off. Does that sound fair? Sure. I think that, that new players are, are just, generally speaking, a good thing to have at the table. There's, it's always nice to have a fresh perspective on the game. It's always nice to have new ideas and new and just to meet new people. I'm a, I'm a like, Meet somebody new. They're going to challenge you regardless of gaming. And if you can introduce them to the game properly... You've just grown the community and you've done, you know, you've hit a home run for the rest of us playing this game. So, I mean, for all the challenges a new player might bring to the table, I think the payout outweighs any sort of disruption. 
Absolutely. And I think that's how this whole discussion we're having tonight got set in motion is it was, it wasn't something I'd ever thought about. I had never really actively looked to game with other groups. I had a gaming group. We were playing regularly enough that it was totally meeting my gaming needs. I very rarely was sort of getting the itch. COVID hit, life changed. I was suddenly in a situation where I'm not getting any gaming. I'm like, I'm going to take a chance on this. And a part of me felt good when I heard, oh, you're going to be at a table with three brand new gamers. I was like, well, and maybe this is horrible to say, but it's like, well, that takes a lot of pressure off me. Like if I stumble or I don't know something or I do something incorrectly, I feel like there's a certain amount of leeway that's being offered to this group anyway, right? I mean, a 50% new player versus 50% previous player group is a very understanding group. I think it has. It wasn't until after that first session where I sat back and I was like, you know, I had so much fun. And I'm like, why did I have fun? Like, what were the mechanics that happened tonight? And it was like, it was a, it was a pre-written module. It was really well DM'd. But I, not to suck up to you, I played with some amazing DMs. I played some fantastic pre-written adventures. I'm like, and they were good too, but I'm like, there was something different about this. And I'm like, and I think part of it, don't get me wrong, was the abstinence. I haven't gamed in six months or plus, right? Because we've been in lockdown mode. But I think, and then I was like, you know, part of it was just this sort of wholly refreshing sort of perspective on something that I thought I knew everything about, or I thought I sort of had compartmentalized in my head is this is how this works. It's A, B, and C. Breaking out the $10 words here. And it was like just listening to somebody look at something that I've looked at a hundred times and not see the same thing I saw. Shall we uh, say bonsoir to Richard? Oh, bonsoir, Richard. Bonsoir, Richard. I'm going to let you say it tonight because this was your topic and I really enjoyed it and you earned it. Good night, Dick.